Father, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Thank you for teaching us and growing us, encouraging us, protecting us, healing us. Thank you, Lord, for the manna that we're about to receive. A precious word. Help it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. Help us to grow and not leave here the same. Meet all of these that are here and all who will hear this message at their point of need, Lord, and and bless them indeed. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians. Back there with all those T's. Timothy, Titus, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. First and second Thessalonians, then first and second Timothy, then Titus. I like five, so I, I noticed that a long time ago. There were five T's in a row back there. <laughs> I always say things like that to y'all. You know why? I'm trying to just put little things in your mind to help you trigger to remember. You know, it's cool to have little study tools. You know, as a teacher. <laughs> First in uh, First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Go down to the thirteenth verse. The section where Paul is talking to the church in Thessalonica about the coming of the Lord. Verse thirteen of chapter four says, "But we do not." want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have passed on, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you, By a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice, the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Praise God. We've been talking a lot about hope. I've been preaching to you guys about hope a lot lately, haven't I? Last week we talked about the beautiful, intricate connection between faith, hope, and love. And how you can't really separate them. Faith is the evidence or the substance of things hoped for. So without getting our hopes up, without having this confident expectation of good from God and envisioning the things that we're believing for, seeing it, I can can see it. I can see me in that new job. I can see me in that new house. I can see me in that new car. I can see me 
completely healed and whole from head to toe, just like God sees me. I can see me free of this addiction. I can see me free of all the things that entangled me. I can see my children free. I see it. I see it. And so I believe it. Because I have this hope. Now I have something to direct my faith at. Now my faith has a target. Without hope. Faith has no goal to achieve. And so we don't operate or stand in faith. Because after all, what are we believing for? Hello? So we got to get our hopes up. We got to see the things that we're believing for. By not allowing anything else to interfere with that beautiful vision that God has placed in our heart of what His promises say regarding us and that, and that particular thing. And, what I say? Faith, hope, and love. Without love, faith won't work, will it? Because faith works through love. And we talked last week about how we try so hard to love harder. I want to love like you, Jesus, but I just don't. I don't really like some of your people. You know, I hope that's not y'all's testimony, but once in a while I have to go and repent. But I said, that's a mistake, didn't I? Because the love that we need to be focused on is not our love. Not anything that we can do to gain acceptance from God. That's religion. But His love for us. We need a revelation of His love for us. Because when we really believe. That He's got our picture in His wallet. And because of Jesus and what He's accomplished on our behalf. There's just nothing that can separate us from His amazing love. And the things that he has in store for us are so amazing that we can't even fathom with our peanut brain. You've got to believe that because that's what causes your faith to work. Because otherwise you'll doubt. God won't do it for me. And if you have unbelief like that, it's that tug of war against that faith that wants to be released toward that hope, that vision, that beautiful future that God has in store. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm ready to take off running. and preach myself happy. <laughs> but in the 13th verse right there where we started, he said he didn't want us to be uninformed about those who have gone on, who passed away. I was thinking about this because I went to a funeral this week. A funeral of a friend of mine that's uh, a year younger than me, actually, who passed away this week and I went home to it and I saw a lot of my old friends and but it's just it happens a lot nowadays, you know. But heck, we're young. My brother, all my cousins, now my friend Bart, others have gone on before. But you know, Christians have have it different than unbelievers, don't we, in that regard? 
Have you ever been to a funeral? I mean, a real funeral for unbeliever? It's a sad occasion. They'll very seldom will I minister at one because, um, and usually my questions will run them off and they say, "Okay, well I'm gonna call you back," and they don't. <laughs> I don't insist that they be a believer, but. The ones that are there are going to get an opportunity to hear the truth and to receive Christ. If I do it, that's all I know. And that's what they need. But I've been to some. I will attend, you know, because these are my friends and loved ones. And they always have these things about always in a better place, right? Always in a better place is what they say. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't believe that's true, you know, in my heart and it's sad and there's a lot of tears there's a lot of stuff like that but when you go to a what I call a home going like Bart's was the other day someone who knows the Lord then there's hope you know we still grieve because we're separated but you know like I have a a two-year-old granddaughter and when anybody leaves especially mommy and daddy and uh, sometimes me, it makes me feel good if I leave and she cries. <laughs> My wife, for sure. But it just undoes her world. You know, somebody leaves. She wants everybody to stay right there. For a minute, though, you know, she gets over it if you give her a purple popsicle or something. But your teacher, what, what do you always say? Mommy's coming right back. Mommy be back. Mommy be back. And as they get better with that, okay, yeah, they always come back. They always come back. Then they get stronger. They get better at that. Just And when we're grown, you know, to grieve and get upset when when George goes to work, <laughs> you know, knowing it's silly because you know he's going to be, in a little while, y'all going to be reunited, you know, after you get home from work and he gets there, you know. You know, you know what I'm saying. So it's not that... It's not that hard. It's like that with Christians for people who have passed on. Yeah, you're going to miss them. Yeah, it's tough. But you know, this isn't our home. It never was. And um, sometimes someone will have to go on ahead of us. But that's all it is. Just a temporary separation. I was talking to my, my dear friend at the home going uh, the other day his dad and and I remember when I spoke at his mother's funeral and she was someone very special to us and she had passed away and uh, she she knew where she was going but her husband who we all look up to and love and admired I remember speaking at, you know at the funeral and I was telling them that if she could talk to them all right now, I'm talking about a full place, and she would, she would tell them one thing. If you don't know Jesus, don't let this day go without making sure if you want to see her again. And that's a fact. But I knew that day in my heart that he wasn't sure. And you talk about a, a love story. These two loved each other like no other. But I knew he wasn't sure. Matter of fact, he was pretty unsure, as he should have been. 
But he came up to me at the at the thing, like so many do nowadays. Whenever I go back home and see somebody I haven't seen, it, tell me how proud he was of me, and I tell him that means a lot because I love him so much. And he uh, he said, you know, after Gwen passed, he said, I, you know, the last thing she told me was, it'll be just a minute, and I'll see you again. He said, but you know, I had to start realizing I don't I don't think I will see her again. And so he started accepting those invitations that had been coming for a long time. The Lord tried to pull him in. He said, I can't go on Sunday, but I'll come on Wednesday evening, you know. Next thing you know, he he was there and and he heard the gospel, and we know that it's filled with faith-filled words and he received it with joy and then he knew he was going to be with her again. And they needed some good people. They just moved that cowboy church to another location and they were just starting up. They needed some good men so they made him a, a, a deacon. And uh, wasn't long after that, now he's, a, he's an elder. And Anyway, he's serving in that church and he loves the Lord. But now he's got that hope. And hope does not disappoint with God. So this is all about people passing on, right? This part of what Paul's talking about here. He doesn't want people to be like the world who grieve. So because they're hopeless. But we do have hope. That's what he's saying. But my point of this is. Just like in so many cases, people only think of their salvation as about this part. The forgiveness of sin and being with Jesus someday. And that, if they don't do anything else, that's wonderful because that's by far the most important thing. But really, his hope for us is that we'll embrace everything that he's provided through the atonement for our salvation. And that we will begin to get our hopes up for all of the situations and circumstances of this life. Just like we know victory is ours in the end. This isn't our home. We're going home and it's going to be a big party. We're going to see these people again that we love. That have gone on ahead of us in faith. But we can do that with temporary situations here. There is victory for every situation through the scripture, through the promises of God, there is hope for every situation. And we need to learn to release our faith because by the grace of God, we have access into this faith in which we stand. Faith is the ticket into the grace of God in which we stand. Amen? We talked about last week from Romans 5 that faith is the ticket. I mean, that's how we... Get access to the grace that's already been provided. We don't have to get Jesus to forgive our sins today because they're all forgiven 2,000 years ago. We just have to receive it by faith, don't we? The same with healing for our bodies. We don't have to wait and beg Him to heal us. We have to use our authority and speak it into existence because the request for healing has already been granted 2,000 years ago and we need to get our hopes up and receive it with joy by faith.
Look at First John three. Not too much further back, right there. First John chapter three, starting at the first verse, and I'll go to the third. See what kind of love the Father has given to us or bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. Sometimes it's just hard to get our minds around that. I'm God's kid now. And he loves me. Just think of the things you overlook on your own, regarding your own children. How love covers a multitude of sins. And you just always want to see the best in them. Always want the best for them. Always will do anything. To make sure they get it. And Jesus had to get on to somebody. When he was here. He said you, you, you love your kids. And you like to give good. How much more your father in heaven. Wants to give good gifts to you. Wants to give the Holy Ghost to you. To lead you and guide you and empower you. See truthfully the life that we live now in these mortal bodies. Is no longer us that live. We already died. But it's Christ who lives in us. And now, that same power that raised Him from the dead, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and gives life to this mortal body. So we're supernaturally powered. We shouldn't let the devil lie to us about being uh, human or carnal. We're not. We're not like the rest of the world anymore. We have the grace of God, the faith of God. We have the very mind of Christ as well. And our born again spirits, we're going to talk about tapping into that. But look, where was I? First verse, we're children of God. Yes, we are. The reason why the world does not know us has a lot to do with everything we were talking about earlier. Man, we should have recorded that. <laughs> The reason the world doesn't know us is that it did not know Him. Hello. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And listen to this, verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes, there's that hope again, in Him... What are we hoping in Him for? Hoping in the resurrection, right? Hoping in His return. Hoping in this eternal life that we have now because through knowing Him. Isn't that what eternal life means? Knowing Him and knowing the Father. John 17, 3. Everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Now there's one that We'll shut down some churches. Cause most of the praise and worship sections to abandon ship. Just kidding, John. You might as well get used to that. If you start going around to some of these conferences and things, which you will do in the future, that's a big joke in the church. Is that when, <laughs> when Satan and all his followers fell to earth, most of those demons joined the praise and worship team, the choir and the church. <laughs> they always seem to be the hardest ones to 
<laughs> to get going. <laughs> but that's just a joke. We know that's not the case with John, for sure. But what, what John is saying here in verse 3 of chapter 3 of 1 John is that those who have this hope in the Lord, they purify themselves just as He is pure. So we're talking now about this, this life, see? Before we were talking about our hope and, and when people pass on and our hope for all eternity. And that, that overcomes all of our situations and circumstances because there's hope for every situation in this life. It's only temporal. But he's saying those that remain while we're here, while we're waiting for this wonderful promise and this eternity with God, there's something we need to be doing. And in fact, we're compelled to do. We're pulled to do. It's a, there's a tugging and nagging and gnawing. If you really belong to Him and you haven't got strongholds in your mind and in your life because you built your life or certain sections of it around a lie and you've learned to tune out God in that area because you're protecting that thing. But it will cause you to want to be pure, to purify yourself because that's what He is. God is holy. Read the Ten Commandments and just thank Jesus that that's been set away because He even made those rules stronger when He described them, didn't He? Don't kill. Huh. You ever been mad enough to kill somebody? That's murder. I'm like, what? Don't commit adultery. Oh, okay, I'm good. No, did you look at it? Well, then you did it. Oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> so, that's how holy God is, though. And to... To allow us into his presence is because he's, he's clothed us with Jesus' righteousness. So because of everything that's been done for us, it's only natural that as his children, we want to please our Father and to be more like him. And that's what we're doing. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. Faith to faith, glory to glory, bit by bit, as we look into the righteous mirror of this word and we allow it to read us. And we change become more and more like Him. Three times in the Scriptures, in Romans chapter 3, verse 8, Romans chapter 6, and then again in Galatians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul writes the same sort of thing. He's saying, he's asking a question as if, a third party, he's saying, what do you mean because of the grace of God? Because he's describing how wonderful the grace of God is. What do you mean because of the grace of God? It's okay for me to go ahead and sin? And all three times it's the same answer. God forbid! Exclamation point. Underline. Dot, dot, you know. No! Absolutely not. If that's what you're taking from the grace message, then you missed it. The grace of God in Titus 2, 11 and 12 tells us that the grace of God that's appeared that brings salvation to all men teaches us to live godly lives, doesn't it? It's what empowers us to do that very thing. So, everybody with hope in the resurrection purifies themselves. And that's only a natural desire. It's a Christian characteristic, you might say. And so it's one of the litmus tests. Do I even want to be better? Maybe, you know. 
and the ones that say, no, I think I'm fine, or the ones that are saying, well, Jesus did it all. I'll just do the best I can, and he, he did the rest. That's the excuse that I got a lot over the years from people who just were living apart from the will of God. But that's not true. He not only wants us to live a pure life, but he wants us to work toward that goal. We might not, we might not hit the mark every time. None of us actually are ever going to, are we? We make mistakes and we struggle here and there and just about it's like a golf game. Just about the time you get one thing sorted out, you kind of slide in another area. But God's always there. He loves us, but he wants to he wants us always to keep running back to him and getting the help that we need to receive the grace that we need in times of need. That's why Jesus they describe as the torn veil of the curtain, which is his body, which has allowed us to run directly into the throne room of grace now and obtain mercy and find favor or grace in the time of need, right? Matter of fact, Jesus mentioned it in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, just to let us know how temporal everything is in this life. And that's a good thing to remember. Is that this is all temporary. And he is going to return. And the closer it gets for his return to be imminent. The more we should always be ready. Amen. We want to be prepared for him to return today. And then work like, like he's not. You know. Work to build the kingdom. But personally, we should be ready for his return right now. When we see him, we don't want to be ashamed of anything. We want to have a continual relationship, a personal, strong relationship with him. So when we see him, we know him. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could, you ever known someone that liked the name drop all the time? And they'd play the big shot. But they really don't really know these people too. Or they might have met somebody or something. So then they met somebody one time. So now they act like, oh, that's their old friend. But if that person walked in, they, would, they wouldn't even know them. You know, really. <laughs> and then they'd be embarrassed. Let's don't be a name dropper when it comes to Jesus. When he walks in the room, let's light up and let him light up. And so, hey, been looking forward to this. You do know me and I know you and we love each other. You know? You know what I'm saying. He said in chapter 24, verse 42 of Matthew. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Now, isn't that powerful? What he meant, he didn't mean don't get a good night's sleep. <laughs> but he interchanged that word being awake with prayer on the night of his betrayal, didn't he? That's what he, he just wants us to stay with mind, our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. What he say, you can't serve God and wealth. Does he care if you obtain wealth? No. But does he want to be first in your life in all things, including that bank account? Yes. You know, when when does it become a point when you're serving the wealth instead of him? When that 
when that wealth or that relationship or whatever it is in your life, that thing, say, here's the light, when that thing gets in the way of you in that light, which is Him. First thing you think about when you wake up in the daytime, in the morning, is it the Lord? Is He the first one you speak to? Is He the first one you address? You can tell where most people's hearts are by looking at their bank account. Just saying. Second Samuel 5.12 and I think we're just going to end it because we sort of had a message before the message today. <laughs> and we're right there about that time when we generally get out of here and I don't want to keep you guys this evening. Second Samuel chapter 5 is something I, I uh, ran across today and it made a big impression on me. And so maybe it's going to help somebody. Second Samuel chapter five, verse twelve. It says, And David knew. And that's that's the word that I have underlined. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. Remember, it's always it's not about you. God loves you, but your service to him is not about you. It's about the kingdom. It's about others. It's like, I saved you and I love you. I can't love you anymore. Now go and tell others. Who have you told, you know? Who have you told? But this is really about our identity in God. That is that it sticks out to me right here. And David knew, you know, knowing your place in God and your position and, and his plan is so empowering and so comforting and so emboldening that that's what I want for everybody. But it said David knew that the Lord had established his kingdom. Now listen, that's, that's not saying it was easy for David. He was 30 years old right here. And this is when he began to reign as king of Israel. But remember when he was anointed as king? He was a little boy, wasn't he? And, and it didn't go so easy for him. It didn't always look. It looked like maybe somebody, maybe that prophet made a mistake. After all, the real king is trying to kill me. For many years, he, ran, he was on the run, living in caves and hiding out. But he knew that God had called him and he knew what he was to do. And he finally entered into God's plan. 
And he was faithful. God loved David. And we know this is encouraging for everyone because David made more mistakes than all of you ever will. (laughs) Sin against God in many ways. But his heart was for God. God said, this is a man after my own heart. And people look at his life and they say, how so? He was so sinful. But you know what happened? Like one instance when the the prophet came to him and he was up on his throne high and mighty and the the prophet told him about a sin that he had committed. You know what David did? He got down off his throne and on his face and he repented right there. He didn't care who was watching. He knew that that was right. He loved God and he he was willing to... His heart was sensitive to God. We can make a lot of mistakes, and we will. But as long as we stay sensitive to God and His calling and His prompting, when He comes and says, hey, man, why don't you trust in me right there? You know? Just repent. Repent just means change your mind regarding the things of God that you're aligned opposite of Him. Turn back, face Him, and say, Lord, I dropped the ball right there, but... Let's go. I'm sorry. And don't mention it again. He won't. He loves you. Amen? I got some more good stuff, but hey, that'll uh, help me prime the pump next week. Amen? So this week, can we just focus on getting our hopes up? Ask God, put your vision in my heart regarding all the things that I'm either discouraged about or believing for or needing, I'm asking God that He meet you all right at your point of need. And that that any barrier, any barricade, any demonic stronghold or any plan of the enemy against any of us, that it be broken right now in the name of Jesus. I just call every assignment of the enemy against anyone hearing this message, I cancel it out right now and I call that thing broken in the name of Jesus. I just see glass shattering all around, all the barriers that were holding back people from receiving God's blessings. And I just want you to see yourself. I want you to see that thing, that whatever it is you're believing for from God, I want you to see it done. See it. Don't even open your eyes if you can't see it when you open your eyes. Sometimes it's better to leave them closed. Because we have a sixth sense as Christians, as believers in Christ. We don't go by what we see, hear, taste, and feel only. Those are natural things. The world has all that. We have a sixth sense. The spiritual reality that is true. Just like when Elijah stepped out of that tent and his servant said, Whoa, these... the." We're surrounded by a vast army that's here to kill us. And Elisha said, there's more for us than against us. And in the natural, there was no one there for them. Everyone was there to kill them. And they were there by the thousands. And he said, well, there's more for us than against us. And he said, Father, open the young man's eyes so he can see. Well, he could see fine in the natural. And he saw everything that was there to oppose them. But listen, speaking out our fears and our worry and our doubts only means that we're really good at hearing the devil. 
God would have you turn the page and crank it up a notch or two and just jump on into the spiritual realm which is more real than anything we can see here. Because when he prayed this prayer, the father allowed this young man to see in the spirit. And the army that surrounded them was surrounded by God's army and chariots of fire. And then his fear subsided, didn't it? Well, if we could only see that that's the case with every situation and circumstance that opposes us. And you know, God's angels are sitting just waiting to be empowered to do God's will on your behalf. You know what they respond to? Faith-filled words. The word of God spoken in faith regarding the promises of God concerning you. Speak them over yourself. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue rising up against you, you shall condemn. This is the inheritance of the saints of God. But see there, you have a responsibility. Anytime the enemy tries to come against you, anytime it doesn't line up with the beautiful promises and love and provision of the grace of God towards you, Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Command the devil to leave. Command sickness and pain and lying symptoms to leave your body. Command your body to respond to the Word of God and be restored and made whole and all damage to be undone in the name of Jesus. And then turn and thank your God again in the name of Jesus. God loves us so much. And He wants us to move to a higher... Elevate, elevate, elevate. Bring my people up. Elevate. Elevate. Bring them up beyond the natural. Help them to see in the supernatural. If you want to see in the Spirit like this young man that served Elisha, ask God for help. If you earnestly desire the things of God, there's nothing He'd rather do for you. If you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, you need it. If you need help with it, I'll help you. Pray and ask God for that. Remember when I said we as being evil people love to give good gifts to our children? Jesus said, how much more Will your Father in heaven love to give good gifts to you? In another gospel, that same passage is translated, love to give you the Holy Spirit. When we speak in tongues, we edify ourselves. We build ourselves up. When we prophesy, God says prophesying is better. Why? Because it builds up the whole church. But he says he wished all of us would speak in tongues because it builds us up in our most holy faith. It builds us up in our bodies. It builds us up in love. These are all from Scripture. And it keeps us in the faith of God. And matter of fact, most of us don't know how to pray. Not an insult. It's just true. I, I have that all the time. I just feel so inadequate. Lord, help me to pray. And then I just pray in, in, the, in the Spirit. I pray in tongues. A lot more than I pray in the natural. I'm afraid of what I say. I think when Jesus is filtering it all anyway, He's throwing out all the dumb stuff and only the, only the faith stuff gets through anyway. So why even mess around? Just go straight. Speak in... 
an unknown tongue that the Father will give to you as your prayer language. And you know what? It's like having an adult conversation with God. Because it's the Holy Spirit telling our spirit how and what to pray. So it goes straight to the throne room of God. Breaks through all the nonsense, all the flesh. And watch, results come. Lots of good things happen to me after I'm disciplined enough to pray in the Spirit. And you know what? Praying in the Spirit makes you want to do more of praying in the Spirit. Because the results are so wonderful. Father, thank you for this day, for loving us and granting us all the wonderful provision of the grace of God through the atonement of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Lord, we look forward to His return. But while we're here, help us to do the things that will benefit us and to glorify You. Help us to purify ourselves even as You are pure so that we don't open any doors for the enemy to come in and hinder us in any way. So thank You, Lord, for that and for empowering us opening up our spiritual eyes to see in the Spirit all the wonderful things and provision and protection that You have for us. Help us to be encouraged by Your amazing love for us that we can get our hopes up and release our faith for the things that You have and Your plans for us. Good things to prosper us. Thank you that it's your will that we be in good health and prosper, even as our souls prosper. So help us to do all of those things simultaneously. Help our mind and our will and our emotions to line up with you. Restore our soul, good God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.